0: Coming up on today's show, we have the founders of the archaeology Challenge as well as the duo that completed the Oxygen Free archaeology Challenge. This next on Traveling with the Mouse. <music> Welcome everyone to another edition of Traveling with the Mouse. This is episode number 215, and this is Memorial Day. And today we have a very exciting show for you in the sense that we're going. We have some guests other than Jason. Well, Yay. Jason's kind of like a the third wheel, I guess. He's right? still here though. Jason's still here.
1: <laughs> I'm still on the podcast, okay, guys. I'm right. he's, he's, he's still
0: on it. Okay, he can yes, hear us. There. I got you. So, uh, my name is John. I'm joined by Adam. Hello, everybody. Jason.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And our guests today, um, we have the originators of the Parkeology Challenge, as well as the duo that completed the Oxygen-Free Parkeology Challenge. Who's really considered the creator? I would say, it's, is it both Ted and Shane, or is it more Ted's brainchild?
2: Now that would really your... get Shane's uh, higher <laughs> up. Careful, this man. Is Ted. And I will tell you, the official—we are co-creators of it, but it germinated definitely in, with Shane. Shane had the original idea, and then we co-created the whole challenge from that.
0: Okay, got gotcha. you. And that was—that was Ted. <laughs> we also have Shane. I'm here. Hello. We have Christina. Hello. Christina is the voice of reason. Among us, yes. I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I feel like we need to get just a, just a tiny bit of groundwork of how this all started. So either Ted or Shane or back and forth between the two of you, if you want to just kind of let us know how this got started.
3: Uh, this is Shane. Um, so this came out of an idea that I had really came out of my childhood. So I used to be a pretty big Disney park geek, even growing up. And, and my family would journey from Indiana every year down to Florida in a big van. And and we were, you know, it was a large family and we could only really afford to spend one day at Disney World. And so um, as a big park fan, I would spend my time, you know, my free time leading up to the trip, maximizing, planning, figuring out how I could cram as much as I possibly could into that one day. Flash forward now several years, I'm married, I live in Florida now, and I'm running a blog called Parkeology with my friend Ted. And I thought it would be fun to do this crazy idea from my childhood, see if we could actually ride every ride at Disney World in one day. So um, about six years ago, uh, we decided to just go for it, put a plan together, tried it out, and got almost all the way through. At the time, there were 47 rides, and we came up just short. Um, Some rain shut down the Astro Orbiter and the Tomorrowland Speedway at the very end of the night. Otherwise, we would have had the whole thing done um, on the first try. And so that sort of proved the concept. We came back again the next year and actually were the first to complete that challenge. And Ted did a great job putting a video out. We made some rules together because we had so much outpouring of, of interest from different people that wanted to try the same thing. And, uh, that's sort of how the challenge took off. We, we let people sign up on our website. We'll track their progress and people have been trying it on a pretty steady rate ever since uh, about 2014.
2: Now, Shane said that, you know, back when he was a kid, he used to be this big Disney geek, and you know, that's really changed quite a bit.
4: <laughs>
2: Nothing at all geeky about trying to ride every ride. Right. Like, you right. know, <laughs> a couple of guys in the 40s. Are you guys surprised I'm at how
0: popular it's becoming now?
2: It's actually almost becoming a bit of a problem, to be honest with you. It's you know, every time that it gets run and and successfully, we, we saw a big, a lot of media and a lot of press and podcast, mainstream stuff as well. The first time we did it, and now with Christina and uh, Shane doing what we called the Oxygen Free Run, the no Fast Pass version, again, a lot of press. And with each round of that press, you get more and more people finding it and signing up. Like, just today, I signed up probably six or eight people to do it. And it's becoming almost a bit of a problem because it used to be that we would be able to monitor each run and really make sure people understood what they needed to do and were following the rules. And now, you know, like, there'll there'll be 20 or 30 people running it over the next few days. So, yeah, it's definitely surprising.
3: I think also that, you know, the big joke on Twitter used to be... or force two strangers to stay up till 1am monitoring your theme park day, um, you know, just sign up for the parkeology challenge. And it really kind of has gotten to the point where Ted and I just can't even keep up. And so that's actually kind of how we started to know Christina a little bit is that she had been a challenger and, um, you know, and well, I'll let her tell her story as far as what got her interested, but now she helps us with some of these, these tracking and, and things. And she's really been into it along with another guy named Giles who, who also helps monitor these things. And it's been a huge help for us, but even even with the four of us, it's a lot to keep track of now that things become so big.
1: Yeah, yeah. so a follow-up question there. What is sort of the mechanisms you use to keep people following the rules?
2: Well, shock collar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just, you, they're <laughs> not that sorry. expensive. You
0: can buy them at, at Petco. And, no, <laughs> um, They're although, kind of like your own personal magic bands, right?
2: We call them, right, right. No, you know, a lot of this is, is just trust-based, frankly. There's, you know, the, the only thing people are really competing for is a little clip art trophy that said they did it on our website and the personal satisfaction of knowing they did it. So, you know, if, if having that little clip art and lying to everybody is that important to you, there are ways that you could, you could game the system. But with that said, we, we do have a pretty rigid set of rules that require people to tweet photos of them from every <laughs> ride. They need to provide us with all their fast pass information and, and we need to verify their names are on those fast passes and things of that nature that would, in some cases people shoot videos to prove that they're actually riding rides that otherwise might be easy to just sort of jump on, take a photo and jump off of.
3: Just to jump in there, I think that's one of the surprising things that has come out of us creating the challenge. Is you know when we did it, we sort of you know put our rules out: no cheating, you can't have any outside help, nobody grabbing fast passes for you, nobody saving your spot in line or grabbing you food. You had to be able to do it all all on your own, and that was sort of the rule that we we put out there. That was our main rule. And surprisingly, as people signed up, we always were running into these weird little little sneaky corner cases where people are trying to game the system oh do i have to see the haunted mansion pre-show or can i just skip that and go through the chicken exit and then pop out the other side and ride the ride or oh what Mm. if i just hopped onto the main street vehicles and hopped right off does that count and it is it's funny that the the link that which people will go to to get credit for this thing and so we've had to build up our rules into quite a massive little list that we have today but we do try to we try to keep the spirit of it simple and it's just you know basically there's there's no cheating you actually they have to ride every ride. But, but yeah, well, some, people, sometimes people uh, really want that.
2: What, what they might not realize also is that the, the challenge was originally set up so people could basically mimic, uh, not mimic, but, but attempt the same thing that Shane and I did. So w- we didn't have people driving us from park to park. We didn't have people waiting in line for us or bringing us hot dogs when we stood in line. There's a little bit of controversy as to whether the rafts to Tom Sawyer Island are actually a ride or not. And, and we find all that sort of comical because it's a ride because we thought it was a ride and we went on it. And the whole point of this is for other people to be able to challenge themselves to see if they could do the specific thing that Shane and I did. Um, to
1: be fair, we made sure we rode the rafts when we
2: tried it. And and you know what? Listen, the rafts are a ride. You're on a freaking thing that's moving across a river. It may suck. I mean, it may be the worst ride that Disney's ever done, but it's a ride. And at the time we did it, it actually was listed specifically as a ride. Um, now they've sort of folded it in uh, into the description of the actual island. But the point being that we weren't trying to come up with some, like, theoretical idea of what a cool challenge would be. We were just trying to set up parameters that would mimic what Shane and I did. So if people watched those videos and thought it was cool and wanted to try it, it was like, hey, this is what we did and and try it. If if you really wanna, you know, get yourself a thousand fast passes lined up under all sorts of different accounts and then lie to us and and pretend that you're just pulling the fast passes on your own, more luck to you. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. here's a little piece of clip art, I hope you're happy.
1: And I think we well, as we see with more and more people running, we see a lot more data being collected that shows people are watching a lot more than just you four, I'm sure, are watching all this data and keeping track. So
2: I,
0: do you I'm guys sure. think that Disney is aware of what's going on and have have you gotten any feedback from Disney about this?
2: Well they're uh, definitely I, aware.
3: Yeah I we know that they're aware they were, I think when the wall street journal article came out last yeah. year, somebody they had reached a Disney spokesperson who's uh, who said, yeah. you know, the typical, you know, corporate answer of, well, we're very happy that people enjoy our parks under a variety of circumstances and so right. forth. It's, it's funny. And, and maybe Christina can talk about this, but I can't during the oxygen free run, we ran into so many different cast members that actually knew what we were doing. They've seen uh, this right. enough. Right.
4: Yeah. So, honestly, I think it's really funny that it's, the rafts is actually the one that the cast members tend to notice us on because we ride over and we say hey can we just not get off because you don't have to do the island portion you just have to do the ride portion and so they they say you're one of those aren't you and they so they actually recognize all the challengers and i think a lot of the main street vehicle drivers recognize us as well because We We're are the only really eager. Yeah, we are really <laughs> eager. Right. Like, get me on this main street vehicle, please. And they don't understand.
1: I think it was so, obvious like, when we when we did our challenge because we we shot for the unicorn, which you know at night, and we seemed really excited to be getting on a main street
0: vehicle. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. It's probably like ninety percent of their uh, like riders now, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right.
2: We
3: are single handedly keeping them in business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, we would love to be embraced by Disney and to even work with them on some level. But the problem is, I think from Disney's point of view, from a marketing point of view, you know, Disney World is a place that you come and you spend a week at with your family. And, you know, you need two days in each park just to see everything. And it kind of is counter message. If you're saying a week, I can blow through that thing in a day.
4: And don't buy any food.
2: And I'm not going right. to buy any food, I'm not buying any t-shirts, I'm not going to, you know. And I might, uh, as we say, fast walk uh, past a lot of your tourists and, you know. Hey. So, it, now the reality is, uh, an overarching rule is you cannot break any of Disney's rules. You know, we you can't do anything that Disney doesn't want you to do. And the people who tend to run the challenge are actually the most hardcore, serious Disney Park fans you can get. Nobody's going down there and, you know, once in their life visiting Disney World, running the challenge and leaving. They're going down there. These are people who spend weeks of their lives every year at Disney. So the reality is I think the challenge in some minuscule, tiny little way actually helps Disney. But from their point of view, it it might be counter message.
1: Well, I know it got me to buy an annual pass this year, so.
2: Bam! You hear that, Bob Iger? Give me a call. <laughs> yeah.
1: Actually, my wife said no annual passes for the family next year, but I can get an annual pass to run the Parkeology Challenge.
2: Really?
4: Hey, I have a pass, and none of my children do, so.
2: Nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's so not I what was they that... want to hear. Christina's like, screw <laughs> the kids. <laughs> They hold me that, back.
1: They'll be alright. Uh, that is the funniest part of this: is that Adam and I go down from Atlanta and leave our wives and children behind. See, so, yeah, we're going to Disney World.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I so I live in Chicago. the The very first time we ran it, it just coincided with a family trip we had down there. But every time I've run it since, I've just flown down there solo just to just to run it with Shane. So, but the other way to look at it is. I wouldn't have been going there at all if it wasn't for the challenge. And while I'm there, you know, the night before, the day after, we're still going into the parks, we're still buying stuff. So, my point is, I think, I think everybody actually ends up coughing up some cash one way or the other to Disney. Oh, yeah. So sure one, yeah.
1: Thing, one thing you mentioned, which is a question I had, is you mentioned the fast walking. Where I've seen your videos, where do you? Where's the? Where's the line between fast walking?
2: What was that, the line between fast walking and running? Yeah,
3: yeah. Where, if where you've seen that? our videos, what we're doing is a fast walking. Anything over that is a run. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's the line, <laughs> and we're staying with that.
2: I uh, the, the on the, uh, About two hours into the very first run or challenge, we were, uh, it's too long of a story to get into, but we needed to get from Dumbo to the riverboat in about what would you say Shane like 2 minutes or something something like that yeah so there was some extreme fast walking going on there the and, disney uh, hustle the yeah well two things happened one i managed to somehow break my toe oh. which then sucked for the rest of the day but as we were quote fast walking a cast member you know, thought something bad must have been going on because two full-grown <laughs> men are bolting at a panicked pace through the. So this guy starts running after. You. He's like, "Sir, my what's going? How can I help you?" You know, and it, it's like, it, you know, we and of course the answer is balls.
3: something bad was going on. We were trying to get from Dumbo to the riverboat. Dang it!
4: Well, top two minutes.
0: That's Surprised you guys didn't get surrounded by the Disney Secret Service before you got over there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's we, we, in all seriousness. Do that was the very first time, and I, I think there's been some recalibration a little bit of expectations and what we would ask people to do. And we're not there monitoring everybody's step but we do have an overarching rule that says you have to abide all disney rules disney is going to tell you not to run disney i do think there's a fine line between fast walking and running and i think you know realistically if you're just walking as fast as you can and you're not breaking out into that longer stride run everybody's going to be fine with it
1: we we had a little bit of fun with our fast walking we were power walking our way into Epcot towards the end of our run and one guy decided to start joining us and he was <laughs> like oh we're well, yeah. power walking now <laughs> <laughs> really yeah cool guy.
0: that's pretty funny I was going to say yeah. because that first challenge I want to say that I saw on the the YouTube video of that looked pretty much like a sprint at least between Hollywood Studios to Epcot
4: are you outside of sure. the park though? So.
0: yeah but they yeah. were running right?
2: yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> We well, weren't running for the full mile, but there were there were moments. We
3: moments were... just for the camera. I, I think that camera may be adding some speed. Some, some of those points, you know, your fast sprint is not really, not really any faster than your early morning fast walk. So.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to direct, since uh, for Christina, we sort of touched on this, but what got you interested in the challenge originally?
3: Yeah,
4: so... Um... I run a group with my friend Kelly, and we had a similar meeting as Ted and Shane, where they kind of knew each other, and then they finally just met and did their run. Uh, Kelly and I were very topical acquaintances, and then we went on this, we called it our epic Disney escape. We went on this trip together, and one of the very first days, it's actually one of our only arguments we've gotten into, was I saw someone on Twitter posting about the the archaeology challenger i guess at the time it was the wdw 46 or 47 and i just instantly became obsessed and she got really annoyed with me because she was trying to show me the animatronics on the railroad and i just couldn't i was too enamored (laughs) you know and she she is very much more into disney history and animatronics and that sort of thing and i just couldn't and she was really annoyed with me. But after that, neither of us lived in Florida. And so after that, I said, I, I want to do that one day. And then a year later, I actually ended up moving to Florida. And then I was the first one to actually sign up for that Park NATO day. I don't know if you guys remember that in December 2017, when all of a sudden it caught so much traction and I think 15 teams signed up and i think that was kind of the genesis of um just it really gaining a lot of traction and a lot of people hearing about it and wanting to do it and then so yeah we tried it together and we missed it by one ride by three minutes it was wow. Annoying. oh
2: wow i remember very clearly watching that you know that was back when few enough people ran it that shane and i would off in real time watch people doing it and text back and forth and oh we think she's going to make it oh he's you know he's he should have gone you no know, orbiter instead of buzz or whatever you know we we don't do that any longer but we used to like really be able to follow individual people and it was very heartbreaking to see these guys lose it by you know literally one ride the last ride um, we
4: joke because it was seven dwarves Mind train And the cast member there, we nicknamed him Grumpy, because he literally was (laughs) super grumpy. And, uh, you know, one of the rules is you can't, like, beg your way onto rides or get backstage. So we didn't tell him we were doing the challenge, but we were, you know, can you please just let us on? We literally saw the last people walking. It's not like we got there super late, and he was like, no, you can't do that. And so, and I do remember that day, too, like, no one had heard about us, and then... Around like eight o'clock, suddenly we gained like 100 Twitter followers. And I think people, because people were doing real time following all the teams as well, and people were, some people had dropped out, and, you know, and they're, so people were starting to watch us. And where did these random people come from? And they're actually doing pretty well. So, yeah.
2: There's somebody running it right now as we speak. Yeah, yeah how are
4: they are doing?
1: I've got them up right here. They are uh, on 31 rides done so far.
4: Nice.
2: Well, there, there you go. Uh, you know, it's funny. The, uh, what was it saying? It was probably the second, I think it was probably the second time we, the first time we, you know, we did it, we put it out there on our blog and, uh, you know, cause long before the challenge, we run this, the site Parkeology. that's just all about bizarre kind of our sarcastic take on Disney stuff. And we, we put it out there and we did it and it, we got a lot of traction. And the, I think it was the second time we did it. We got off a ride and there were people standing there holding signs. That Literally that best. that made like poster board sign and were cheering us on. And that was, you know, that was super, super cool.
1: Yeah. When we talk about the challenge, that's usually some of the most listened to episodes we
3: have to
2: hear. Cool. I, I hear that Jason is some sort of accident. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, a- he actually
3: <laughs> listens to those those shows even when he's not on is what I hear. So
1: that's <laughs> wow, that's dedication. <laughs> he's a true fan. I,
3: I, I am a full you know, almost six
1: months into learning about this challenge, so definite expert here. Six months, <laughs> man.
2: That's amazing.
4: Hey, you do learn a lot from following along, I find, though. So now that there's more people running, I really feel like you can get a lot of input.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you some, an honest confession. When we first did it, it was it felt very much like our thing, like our personal thing. And when other people started to do it, it, it was a hard thing to come to grips with because everybody sort of wants to have a little bit of ownership of it. Just like if you run a marathon, you didn't invent the marathon, but you completed it and you, wanted, you want to own that. So there was a time when that was hard for me to deal with. Now I actually very much like it. I, I like more people doing it, more people succeeding at it. And, and you know, I love when like a mom and son do it or a dad and daughter or that kind of thing. Those are my favorite. All
1: right. So I guess we should dive in a little bit to talk about what got you in the news most recently, which is the
2: oxygen free
1: challenge, which we talked about in depth in another episode. And we already mentioned here, that was the fast pass free run. So I was curious, when did that idea first come up and whose idea was
3: it to do this? So usually if it comes, uh, if it involves really making things even harder, difficult and ridiculous um that that tends to <laughs> that that stuff comes from me shane so the um this idea i don't remember it has been a couple years i think since i first floated it to ted um but it, it came about really i think a couple 2016 at some point disney of course had the my disney experience app where you could um you know could always reserve fast passes through that app But but when when they first rolled it out, you could get like three ahead of time, and then if you wanted more, they let you get more, but you had to go to a kiosk in the park and pick up an additional fast pass. And so we had done the challenge, I think, in that summer um, where the summer that Frozen opened, and we we thought we were doing amazing because we we got three fast passes that summer, and we picked up three more in the middle in the course of the day through different kiosks. It was an incredible feat. Um, But at some point that fall, they rolled out an update or, or a series of updates to the app where you no longer had to go to the kiosk, you no longer were restricted to just getting it in the park you were in, you could get fast passes from other parks at the same time. And then all of a sudden, we saw challengers like pulling 20 or 25 fast passes in a single day. And when it happened, we were just we were kind of like texting back and forth and like, is this for real? Are they? Are they, um, are they lining up nukes? We called them nukes. These were these, you know, these idea that you used a whole bunch of tickets and reserved a whole bunch of Fast Passes ahead of time and then you would just secretly, you know, steal them from your friends or whatever and, and use them as your own. Um, but it would turned out it was like an actual legit thing. People had figured out how to, you know, pull all these massive Fast Passes. And so the game, the game changed at that point and it was still very legit and very difficult, but it became a lot more about uh, trying to, to refresh and get that next fast pass, um, which, you know, was, was difficult enough and, and people develop skills around it, but it was sort of, um, it, it felt like, it felt like some of the spirit of what our original run had been, had been lost a little bit because our original run was all about, um, you know you know trying to dart back and forth we split like three parks on our first run and just really trying to time it so when the rides had the lowest lines and so forth and now it became more about all right I'm gonna sit here and endlessly refresh my phone until I get that perfect fast pass score and our very first round we only used two fast passes the entire day and the one where we completed I think we used maybe uh, three or five or somewhere in that neighborhood but now our teams were completing it with 20 25 fast passes and we're like we you, you know what May, is it possible to even do this thing anymore without using the fast pass system at all um, and we weren't ever sure that it was and in fact every time we planned it you know or thought about it or looked at different hours and the days and everything and we never could find anything that worked um, so this sort of has been on a back burner for a few years but has been shelled because it just seemed really uh, sort of out of out of the realm of possibility but you, you know what how it came about this time was we you know, I'm always I'm always pestering Ted to do the challenge. Over wanting to do the oxygen free, um, and I, we found that one day, which was that Wednesday, April the 24th, that happened to be an 18-hour day, but it was like right after spring break, so it was like a weird timing where we thought crowds would be low enough, but but had enough hours where um, we thought maybe if by some chance it might be possible that day, and Christina had already reached out to me about doing the challenge. Again, because we had we had teamed up, uh, you know, way back uh, last year, and she was getting the urge to do it again. And I'm like, hey, what do you feel about, you know, if we teamed up again? What, what do you think about oxygen free? And to her credit, she was all on board, even though neither of us thought it was going to work out.
4: You were a little more optimistic than I was. I didn't even think it was possible at all. But I thought it was cool to be able to run with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought it was a great idea. Yeah, the fast pass refresh. Adam can tell you, I took it to the extreme. I was yes. refreshing fast passes on Rock and Roller Coaster during that. Run.
4: Oh, there's <laughs> so many. Like, we should post in the Parkeology group right now. Actually, hey, post your photos from runs. And most of the time, it's you. They catch you, you know, looking at your phone trying to get fast passes.
2: Yeah. So beyond perfect. the ride photos. Yeah. yeah. With chains talking about is the the oxygen free is really trying to return the challenge to its roots. It kind of bums me out that, and this is not anybody's fault at all. I mean, these are the tools that are made available by Disney and absolutely the tools that I think most people should be using. But what I loved about the challenge and, and still love about it is not so much bragging right saying you rode all the rides or, or actually physically riding all the rides. It's the bonding time that you have with each other and you have to be of you know, like-minded people to be doing this. and you have to be a little nuts to be doing this. And to take those types of people or family members and put them in this situation, to me, the heart of it is that you get to spend time with your friends and family doing this crazy thing. And what the app has turned it into is spending time ignoring your friends and family while everybody stares at a phone and frantically tries to refresh. And in many ways, that rips the heart out of it for me. What these guys did was sort of say, hey, how can we make it old school
3: and, and just to add to that, too, I think part of the appeal from when we first did the challenge was that in theory, you know, in theory, if you had followed Ted and I along on that original journey, and um, this was even back when they were using paper fast passes, if you had been able to stay right with us, you know, the fast walking and so forth, and literally just like followed along right with us, you would have been able to complete or, or get as far as we did, you know, just following that same path what the app turned it into was a little bit more of a randomization of whether or not whether or not you're going to get that perfect fast pass or not. You know, you could have two people literally sitting side by side refreshing their phone and somebody might score frozen and the other person might get, you know, imagination. And their paths are gonna deviate based on what fast passes the app just coughs up. So there's that it took out some of this the the skill and the knowledge of the park um, and and just, Added just a tiny bit of randomness to it um, that rewarded some people and denied others. So, um, Oxygen Free kind of leveled the playing field again uh, and said, All right, you're now out there on your your wits alone. Um, Go forth and see what you you can do.
1: Well, as a a bit of an optimistic view for you, Ted, when Adam and I ran it, yes, we were looking at fast passes, but I think we had quite a good bonding time still.
2: still I agree. I am glad to hear that, actually, because you know, Shane and I go on the kind of Disney park geek scale, you know, where like, I don't know if it goes to one to 10, we're, you know, 972. I mean, we're, we're pretty high on that scale. So to be able to go in the parks with somebody for the first time in my life, actually, to, to go in the parks with somebody who had equal or... I don't know, I don't want to say greater. He's greater overall (laughs) Disney, but not greater park (laughs) park stuff. But to go into the parks with somebody on equal footing with my knowledge and be able to, like, drop weird little, like, crazy inside references that, I mean, literally there's probably, like, 50 people on Earth who would understand. And then to just hear him kind of chuckle because I know he gets it, that was what was exciting to me. And the like, hey, we happen to be on, you know, the haunted mansion or whatever. That was fun, but that was all secondary. It was really about to me the the challenge is really about bonding with friends. That's what it really is about. So I'm glad I'm glad to hear that it's still working that way.
1: Yeah, it's it's good because often Adam and I go to Disney quite a bit with our families, which is always a lot of fun. But this is sort of our chance to go do something just us.
2: So awesome.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention, and this is no offense to to Jason by any means, but don't you think maybe people rely a little too much on the whole fast pass thing to do this challenge?
3: I, you know, personally, I think that people are relying on it exactly they they should. I mean, it's a tool that's available. Why why would you not take advantage? I think probably right. some people do get themselves into trouble if they don't know how to recover from, you know, if the app doesn't give them what they really need, what what to do next. I think that's where we've seen a lot of. of Uh, runs go awry if that is the only tool at your disposal uh, and you don't have the other knowledge to back it up you can get yourself stuck and we do see that a lot
4: I will say though I do think that it does show something about you if you really do know how to use the app and the fast passes I mean it's not really that old-school feel but I'm actually really great at pulling the fast passes I usually tend to use like 23 fast passes during my runs which is a lot, even more than a lot of the challengers. And, but it's helpful for when I go on non-challenge um, days. What do you want to go on? Great, we can go on that right now. You know, um, So I do think that in some ways it does show that you, you kind of know how to manage the parks as they are. But it was really cool to be able to have kind of that old school feel I do remember the fa- the paper fast passes, but I'm a bit younger than Ted and Shane, so I don't really have a lot of experience with that super old school. So I learned a lot from Shane even when we were doing it, and it was nice to be able to talk. Even when I do my runs with Kelly, though, people always make comments about how much fun we're having, and we're not just sitting there on our phones. I always make it a point, And I told this to Shane too. I always tweet out my photos before the ride starts, partly because I don't want to forget to, but then also I actually want to play Buzz Lightyear unless I'm, unless I'm like literally need to find some like super high-end fast pass. I try not to look for them on the rides.
1: Yeah, that that's great. And so you said something about preparing Shane. I know you mentioned that you have been going to the park with stopwatches. So what, what, what all did you time while you were prepping? What are, what are the key things you were trying to get?
3: Uh, so for this particular oxygen free run, so our, our day was interesting in that we planned to start at Magic first 8 a.m. And then at 9 a.m. was Hollywood Studios opening. But between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. at Hollywood Studios, they had their early morning Magic, their hard ticket event where they let, you know, you pay to have basically an extra Magic hour there in the morning. I personally was not that familiar with how that whole rope drop procedure worked. And I was really nervous about it because Christina and I had talked. Our plan was to do the rope drop at Hollywood Studios. Usually when Ted and I have done these in the past, you know, you can always count on rope drop happening a little bit before the actual posted time. But with that hard ticket, I really didn't know. So I did, I think, at least three test runs at Hollywood Studios on mornings where they had the early morning magic. Where I literally, the only reason I was there was just to see what rope drop would be like. Christina and I use this uh, app called Marco Polo. It lets us send videos back and forth to each other. And I'd be like, "Hey, Christina, I'm here, and, and you know, I'm outside, um, and we're lined up all the way back to the the camera shop. And it's you know, 8:47, and they just dropped the rope. And now, and here we go. And so I, you know, do those tests uh, over and over, um, three separate times, just to see how rope drop worked. When would they do it? What's the best place to be standing if you want to get to the big ride, Slinky Dog Dash, and and really learned a lot. And I, I think those test runs um, really helped out. And that's one of those things that because I live here and I'm able to, I, I drive past the parks every day on my way into work, I'm, I'm able to to do some of those, those timing. But then um, Christina and I actually did a test run at Magic Kingdom the day before. And maybe Christina can tell you some of the things that we that we were trying to, to test at that point.
4: Yeah. Well, and you also timed some of the drives as well. And at, at Hollywood Studios, you did rides in different orders but yeah magic kingdom so we had our kind of plan for what we wanted our first i think like nine rides to look like and so at magic kingdom we wanted to see same thing when would they drop for the rope drop obviously main street vehicles we wanted to see how how that would go and and then we wanted to see how many rides we could get in before we absolutely had to hit the rope drop and we had that number because he had timed getting to Hollywood Studios. If you hit one or two stoplights, and we also timed how long our archaeology hustle would take to get from basically Adventureland to, you know, to the front of the park. And so we added up all that time. And some something that I actually do is, and something that Kelly and I do, I it makes it easier for planning on the day of and easier to make those like quick decisions. Should we hop on this ride? Should we, you know, this ride's opening up. I always think, okay, what time do we have to leave the park by then we can make those on the fly decisions. <clears throat> and since we had done that backtrack timing, we knew we had to leave the park. What, what was it? 825, 820. Yeah, yeah,
3: I think eight. we were in the 819, 820 range where we thought we cannot be staying any longer than that. Yeah,
4: but we actually pre-decided that. So then that way, the day of, we're not trying to do the math in our heads. Like, we, this is the time we have to leave the park by. And instead of just doing main street vehicles and heading straight to Hollywood Studios, we knew that we had to have a couple risky moves in order to get in some more rides in order to be able to do the oxygen-free. It would be somewhat risky, but at the same time, we had... We had some conversations about what also are our, our, our priorities. Shane and I are very similar in that way that we're very practical, I think. And, okay, these are our absolute priorities. So if this other plan takes away that priority or even even the hint of risking it, those things we're not willing to risk. And, you know, that's also why we wanted to Main Vehicles first because we would just be too nervous that we would miss it or something like that. And we timed different, like, cross the park at Magic Kingdom and things like that. And he took notes on his phone.
3: And, of course, the great irony here is that it it kind of blew up in our faces on the very first run. Because we we go dashing through the gate, ready to hop on the Main Street vehicles. And there's not a single Main Street vehicle in sight. So we're sprinting down. Or not sprinting. We're fast walking. Fast walking (laughs) down Main Street. You know, to the end of the hub, thinking maybe they're just down there there. And we're like, well, do we go to a ride? Do we and then come back and hope they're out, or do we go back to the front and hope they're bringing them out right now? We ended up going all the way back to the front, but then by then, we were already we were already behind our schedule, and so we're already trying to frantically shuffle in our mind, what what do we need to give up here at the Magic Kingdom? And it's funny that that's happened to me and Ted on several of our occasions as well. I think on the time we completed it, we got, you know, our very, very first plan was go rope drop Toy Story Mania, and we, we go fast walking through Toy Story or through Hollywood Studios. We're very... The very first people in line i think we ran down some couple that had thought they were getting ahead of us we ran past them and we're first in line and there's a cast member out there saying i'm sorry we're closed we don't know when we're going to be back up
0: okay so i gotta ask this since you brought up the main street vehicles part of this run i speculated when we saw where you went that your next choice was based on where the vehicles stopped is that true
4: so i i will comment on this one um uh, some of, A lot of our critiques are actually within the first hour and a half of our run. Uh, well, I don't know if they're critiques, maybe just like the disbelief or I don't know. A lot of people thought that we just randomly decided to go for jungle, but actually I think that jungle conversation took up at least one fourth of our conversations for the Month coming up to the run and that really spawned from the fact Okay We needed to get one or two more rides other than just main street vehicles before we hopped over and then also just on a practical side so we uh, We wanted to hit an early closer obviously Well, I don't know if that's obvious but we wanted to hit an early closer just because we didn't want to come back to Magic Kingdom and Let's say we had done really well the, that day, but then get to Magic Kingdom and get knocked out simply because we missed an early closer due to time. Because there's several of them. And so early closer is a priority. So uh, let's list them. There's Splash Mountain. There's Jungle Cruise. There's the two that are, there's a couple that literally just run midday. So we knew ha- we had to come back midday for those. But then there's also People Mover and Carousel Progress. And a lot of those are kind of longer rides anyway jungle cruise you know it's closer to the front of the park i don't know shane do you have any more comments on that
3: yeah i mean we i think when we first started this we're like all right we're gonna hit two and if we get anything else after that great but as as we started going through this and ted can attest to that i'm this way whenever we talk challenge stuff is i want to keep myself alive mathematically as long as possible so i don't want to get knocked out by an early closer that i didn't plan plan for if i lose at the very end so be it but i don't want to I don't want to get knocked out at midnight and still have, you know, two park hours left where, you know, I've already failed the challenge. So this we kind of all worked backwards because really we knew if we're going to rope drop Hollywood Studios, then our only choice for Flight of Passage was to get it at the end of the night. And if Animal Kingdom closed at 9.30, then we would be looking at maybe an hour at least to get Flight of Passage at the very end of the night. That's 10.30 plus the park hop. We're back in by 11.00. And, you know, I only have that one hour in which to knock off the four early closers. So we started talking which of these four early closers that Christina just mentioned, which ones of these might it be feasible to get. I lobbied hard to go for both Thunder and Splash. And Christina said, you know, that's too far in the back of the park. So it's a lot of transition time back there that we're going to eat up time. Plus Splash is really long. Plus we don't really know if, you know, one or both of those might get overwhelmed. By the time you're off one, the other one might have a line. So we took that off the table, and we were kind of just left with Jungle Cruise by default. So um, it actually had nothing to do with where the Main Street vehicles dropped us off, but it, um, it, was, it was something that we did think through um, quite a bit and debate. It's
0: yeah. an interesting choice, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it, when you look at it afterwards, I mean, I, I think, well, that's actually a pretty good choice, right? And I think we all said that.
2: I, I think a lot of the choices that need to be made in any version of the challenge feel very counterintuitive. To a, a a person who has never done it, or, or somebody considers themselves an expert because they've taken you know annual trips to Disney World, and the the normal logic would obviously not be putting you on vehicles as the <laughs> first thing you would do. A lot of the challenge is counterintuitive, but there are very very specific reasons why any successful path is chosen. As Shane said earlier, though. No matter how you script it and how you plan it, you can count on things going wrong. Weirdly, high percentage of the time on the very first ride. So successful runs are a mix of meticulous planning and scripting and really knowing what you're going to do. And then also being flexible enough to make smart decisions on the fly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think what you I I read the post you made the other day so you originally were hoping to get the pirates um right but but the uh the main street vehicle slowdown sort of pushed you to magic carpets right
3: yeah it, the pirates idea came out of our test run that we had done the saturday before so the saturday before we had done let's see i think we we did exactly what we ended up doing which was main street then junglers, and then magic carpet but the magic carpets thing is weird because it depends really on where that ride is it's not going to have a but it depends on, you know, if you're hitting it right when they just started one cycle and you have to wait for that cycle and wait for them to unload and everything. Or if you just happen to dash up right when they're almost ready to close the gates and you hop right on. You know, it's a difference of like two or three or four minutes. But what we had found also, we went ahead and we, we did those rides in order, but then we went and did Pirates just to see what it was. And, of course, Pirates had no wait. We walked on. It was only, you know, a seven or eight minute ride. And we thought, you know what? We could really knock off Jungle and Pirates and get out of here. And we'd be we'd be in great shape because our our times showed that we thought we could do that. But of course, yeah, main street vehicles just really um, really screwed us. We were not on and off of those till after the um, maybe like right when the welcome show was ending or somewhere in there, um, which was much later than we wanted
2: to be. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned catching the cycle of the carpets at the beginning or the end, and how that could mean maybe even a couple minutes. One of the mantras that Shane and I have, and it, it stemmed from the, the, our second attempt and the first successful attempt, and that was the one where Toy Story, our, our first ride of the day, just didn't open. And every, from, from literally the first steps of the challenge, everything started to unravel. And at some point, we gathered ourselves and we said, listen, we can make this up and we have to do it two minutes at a time and you know what that means is if you're walking instead of fast walking at any given point or if you're catching that end of the cycle instead of the beginning of the cycle it may not seem like anything but if you take two minutes an hour and you multiply that times say 15 hours that's a half an hour and think what you could do with a half an hour that's that's an unbelievable amount of time in terms of the challenge so those little things about just catching it right at the right moment those two minutes at a time that's really where this stuff is won or lost
1: yeah i think that was one of our first lessons too is we definitely lost a little bit of time that we hope to make up when we run again in those little those little small spots so as you jump to hollywood studios do you have any non-proprietary tips for those of us that might want to also navigate a Hollywood Studios rope-drop crowd.
3: I, I will say that Slinky Dog, we did a Slinky Dog. In fact, we were one of the first, you know, I want to say first dozen or so people through the line. But, but in none of my test runs that I had done, any of the three, did I ever get that close. So it was a matter of knowing exactly what that rope-drop crowd is doing as it navigates that, walk, that slow walk yeah. into Toy Story Land. Um, so if you've ever done a rope drop, they, uh, you know there's a line of cast members. They all kind of link arms, and you're not allowed to them, and they walk at a snail's pace slowly up Hollywood Boulevard. Then they make a right turn, and they go under the animation arch, and then they make a hard left turn and go past one man's dream and another right. And then and, you know, it takes forever for that rope drop crowd to get up there. Probably the one tip for anyone wanting to rope drop is don't be in the middle of that crowd. I would also say don't be on the left side of that crowd. So you want to kind of favor the right side. That's the that's the secret, I think, to, to working your way forward and being on the slinky dog. Christina, anything to add there?
4: <laughs> um, No, but I would say that too. Just be on the right side. And I think people just assumed we, like, push people out of the way or something. I'll say that on none of my runs ever have I, like, you know, mowed people down or pushed people because – Again, I mean, it's a challenge, but I'm also not going to, like, you know, put other people at risk or just be super rude to people. Um, But, you know, you can, yeah, just be on the right side and just just be alert because sometimes, like, random pockets will open up. and uh, Or when you go through the side, then all of a sudden you have much more space.
2: I think a super tip might be it's not that many people are going to be able to use this tip. But if you can do a, run the challenge with the co-creator of it, mm-hmm. that
1: a, might give
2: you an edge. Shane.
1: What are you doing? What are you doing, June first, yeah. Shane?
4: <laughs> that's I'm, what I'm saying. I feel like I learned so. I learned so much from it, and that's why I didn't even care if we completed or didn't complete. I, I honestly, I did not think that it was even possible. Not even a smidgen. So but I knew that I would learn a lot from partner partnering up
2: with Shane. That's so unlike see I think of Christina as being very positive. Sometimes the challenge <laughs> brings out this weird competitiveness with people and, and it, it can turn down alleys, dark alleys that I don't particularly like. And Christina's always very positive about it. I think it's it's one of the things that attracted us to inviting Christina to, to help monitor these things and sort of become part of parkeology So to to hear that you were just down and negative... And oh, I wasn't down. I, was like, do
4: I wasn't down. I was like, that's going to be cool anyway. It's Shane's nice. out of
2: his mind. <laughs> we're doomed to fail, but at least I get to say I ran it with this guy. I,
4: I told him that he better sing during it, and he did. So that was my only my only qualifications yeah.
2: and now Shane may we hear a verse of O Canada yes that's gonna be a hard no
3: um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually
2: even made the it. original 1982
3: version <laughs> <laughs> Christine is being very humble so I mean yeah she may have had um, that we were that we were going to going to ever actually complete this um, we both kind of said you know it's is we need a lot of luck we need things to go right and, and but if we get forty, that'll seem like an achievement um, in, in people's eyes. But I mean, not to, she, Christina is, is humble, but she's um, she's actually pretty good at this thing too. I mean, she's completed it multiple times. She just completed the Disneyland version um, with with Kelly. Although um, we we don't you know that Disneyland version's an easy thing, so that one doesn't really matter. But no, I mean, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but but she's good. And you know when we talked it talked it throughout. The day it wasn't just like Shane's making all these calls and and Christina is, you know, writing his coattails. We were truly a team, and we, um, you know, we made all these decisions together. Uh, she made some great calls at the end. I made some great calls at the end, and I think this goes back to one of the things that Ted has mentioned before, which is that you know the the real fun part of this challenge is doing this together and not. It's still fun to run it solo and, and so forth, but having that other person there to kind of share the experience with you that knows what you're going through and can kind of talk you off the ledge when you're freaking out and or you can talk them off the ledge, it, it's, it's, it's a fun thing. And, um, you know, solo runs will always exist, and, and they're fine in their own right, but, but definitely the best part of the challenge is experiencing it with other people.
1: Well, I think we could talk all night, but uh, let's wrap it up for tonight.
0: Sounds like a good uh, stopping point for part one of... Our interview with Ted, Shane, and Christina.
1: So, I do want to give Christina any time if you want to plug Epic Disney.
4: Yeah. So, I mentioned earlier, my friend Kelly and I run Epic Disney Escape. We have a Facebook group, Twitter, all, all the things, Instagram, we post every day. But I really think our Facebook group is really unique. We try to not just make it about planning, have um, a lot of interaction we try to stay away from mama. Shane and Ted are part of my group so that goes to show you how cool it is I think one of you are a part of my group
2: I am definitely <laughs> part of the group I think Seth Rogan is in there too <coughs>
4: <laughs> anyway yeah so you should all join the group but also myself my husband and then Kent who's actually he's completed the parkeology challenge multiple times and I completed it with him my first completion in- last year. We started Park Escape Games. Follow us on Facebook, but basically we create in-park escape room challenges, and we have both events, live events, and we have a book. You can actually buy it on Amazon. It's called Callen's Grit Park Studios. So it's our first book, the only one we have currently, and it's at Hollywood Studios. So it's, it's similar to an escape room where not just a scavenger hunt where you have to find things. You actually have to solve a puzzle that will give you the answer. Yeah, we're really proud of it, and it's small right now. But if any of you guys want to follow our Facebook, we just have a Facebook page. Or you can find it on Amazon.
1: Okay. So how long does this McAllen take? I'm just curious.
4: Um, it is designed to take six but it is actually split up in such a way that you can back to it. The it tells you what part of the park you need to be in, and we actually split it in Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard, Echo Lake, and Grand Avenue. It's not meant to be something that you can just solve really quickly. It's sort of like an escape room in that aspect.
1: So Adam and I were talking about trying it out for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Ted and Shane, other than Parkeology, anything else you want to plug?
2: Well, obviously, Parkeology.com and also our Facebook page and our newly formed Parkeology Facebook group. And then beyond that, I just want to plug Team Thurl. Uh, that's <laughs> a, a new thing we're working on. Team Thurl, T-H-U-R-L. Team Thurl is... Uh, it's
3: to support underprivileged Disney legends that don't same level as Wally Boat.
2: <laughs> Fortunately, he was breaking up there. Uh, this is one of the, uh, the other very cool... Super cool, nothing cooler. Things that Shane and I uh, talk about a lot. But Team Thurl coming soon. Team Thurl merchandise: T-shirts, ponchos. <laughs>
0: nice. I think they're both overshadowed by Paul Freeze, so I'll say Team Freeze. <laughs> oh boy. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Traveling with the Mouse. As always, you can find us on Facebook twitter and instagram all at twtm podcast we have a spreadsheet store in which you can find your exclusive twtm merchandise that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash twtm podcast we also have a website which is travelingwiththemouse.com where you can find links to all those and more we have an email address podcast at travelingwiththemouse.com and we have a patreon page patreon.com slash TWTM podcast. So for Ted, Shane, Christina, Adam, Jason, and myself, John, this has been Traveling with the Mouse, and we hope you will join us on our next trip.
1: Follow us on June 1st.